0: chapter 6 verse 63, Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. A warm welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church. You're in for an uplifting time in God's word. Enjoy the message.
1: I welcome you to the Calvary Hour. Thank you for joining me again, as we listen to the word of God coming to you from the Calvary Baptist Church. This is Pastor Fred Davy. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we thank you, we praise you and we honor you. Because you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you are the maker of history. We are alive because of your grace. We hear things that you have told us to guide us in our daily lives. Bless this day, bless our work, Bless our words, bless our thoughts, and all our behavior, that to be in accordance with what you have lined up for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Beloved, if you've been joining us, welcome again. If this is your first time, what a joy it is to welcome you to Radioland, the broadcast of Calvary Baptist Church. We share these words to help us dig deep into the Bible, going through books of the Bible, We'll be dealing with the book of Timothy. We are now in Second Timothy chapter three verse ten to thirteen. Second Timothy chapter three verse ten to thirteen. And I would advise you to keep your Bible open if you are not driving, or just it's a short passage. You can look at it later on. The aim is not to exhaust everything, but to unpack as much as possible what the Word of God says to us in a systematic way that will be edified, because it is the Word of God that has power, it is the Word of God that gives us light, it is the Word of God that gives us direction, nothing else but the Word of God. is powerful. Last week we started by looking at Paul, the one who wrote this book, at the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that God gave him an insight, or should I rather say a prophetic outlook of the world, and the last is the kind of things that will happen and he was telling us and telling his people so that we may be guided that will not be taken by surprise you see if you know there's a danger on the way if you are going to a country that they tell you is bitterly cold what do you do you prepare take a cold resisting dress okay so you wear it there and you are warm if you're coming to the tropics you know it be very hot you dress appropriately If you are going to the bush to do some work, you know how to put on the boot and get there and do what needs to be done. So all of these things are there to help and to guide us, not to frighten us, but to help us to know, oh, I'm prepared to walk in this muddy place because I'm putting on this. I'm prepared for the rain. That's why I have a raincoat, I have an umbrella. That's what God's word should do for you and not scare you. So he told us last week, about how the world will be like. And we saw that it will be a day or a time when there will be godlessness. Three main things we learned. That the last days will be perilous, very dangerous times. The first mark is that it will be a godless world. All the things that are done is done to show that people want to push God, particularly Jesus Christ, out, out of their minds completely. They don't want to hear about the Bible. They don't want to hear about God. They don't want to hear about the Holy Spirit. Just push it away and live their own lives. And you can see it. You can see it very clearly that it is here with us. The kind of things people preach and teach is just incredible. But in addition to that, there will be a powerless religion. or oh, they may have the religion. Many, many religious beliefs, many churches, many places of worship. But what is the effect? Really? They are powerless, powerless in the sense that they are not transforming lives. We are not talking about signs and wonders that people call power. No, he's talking about the power of God to transform lives, the power of God to change people from the kingdom of darkness, to the kingdom of light, the power of God that will cause you not only to have the power of God in your life exhibiting as gifts, but also the transforming power of the word of God, the one that will cause people to know who is this? who tells the truth, who is this so brave, who is this full of peace, love, joy, the transforming power. And because it's not there, it's a powerless, compromising religion. Then talk about the ministries, the ministries that are corrupt. Yes, leaders who are corrupt, they cheat people, they lie. And people who join those churches, some of them want to be cheated and they cheat them very well. That's the sign of the world. But is God saying that his word will be just like that? No. The Lord said he will establish the church and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades would never and ever prevail against it. So today we look at the mark or the contrasting mark of godly believers because God would always have light. Darkness would not overcome God's will. No, God will always leave the light. he he says, you are the light of the world. He says, you and I are the salt of the earth. And so he expects something from us. So when you read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 to 13, if your Bible is there, look at the way God's word says it. It begins with a small word, but. But, in some verses, it says, however, whenever you find the word but, Or you find, however, take note of it. It is a contrast that something is this way, but something else is this way. Something else is this. You should not be like that. So what does he tell Timothy? What is he telling you and I to do and to be? That is what we take note of. So he says, but you, Timothy, certainly, you know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Econium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Hallelujah. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, will suffer persecution, but but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. The Lord's word to us, thanks be to God. So what's telling Timothy and you and I who live in these last days, that there should be a contrast. There should be a distinction between you, the believer, and the godless world. Three marks he points out today. First, there should be a godly example that goes to the whole world. Secondly, there should be enduring or endurance in persecution. That persecution is there, but we are enduring. We are pressing on. Thirdly, we guard against evil people, evil men. And evil people so let's take the first one the first mark of godly people say so godly person follows godly example so he said you there are so many wrong things in the world but don't copy the wrong things because the wrong things should be destroyed if everybody is doing the wrong thing you do not do the wrong thing do the right thing copy so he said you you but you timothy you know me you know what i teach." how I live, and what my purpose in life is. In this, Paul lists at least about seven things that a person must focus on if you want to live a godly life in this world. So first, there's doctrine. So you know my teaching. You know my doctrine. What did Paul teach? See, so I don't tell you stories. All I teach you again, 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 is that Christ came, Christ died for our sins, Christ was buried, Christ, resurrected Christ is coming again. That is the basic doctrine. And he says it over and over again. And he says in Romans 1 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul can say this and it's amazing. He's a scholar. He's an intellectual. He's a lawyer Steady, He knows Greek. He knows Hebrew he knows Roman history, he knows all the philosophies, but he says, no, I don't come to you to teach you those days. I teach doctrine, the doctrine of what will convert you, what will change people. The point is that as a godly person, you must follow the good doctrines, not the doctrine of bad people. Go and read some book, go and hear some new story and be so confused. No, a godly person cannot live godly life unless he knows godliness, unless he follows after godliness. A godly person closely observes and follows after those who live godly lives. He's a disciple of godly examples. He follows the godly teaching of godly people. So don't say everybody is doing it and you know it is wrong, but you're also doing it. No, but you be different. and That comes closely with the second thing he says. You follow godly behavior and godly conduct. See, Paul practiced what he preached. He lived the way he was supposed to live and taught the way he was supposed to teach. He did not live in sin. He lived in righteousness. He did not profess one thing and do another thing. So if you want to live for the world to know, and the God to know, Timothy, do the same thing. And all believers, a godly person must behave himself, behave herself and conduct their lives. You are not to be one thing here, another thing there. Integrity is the name of the, of the game. Paul said in Acts twenty thirty five, I have showed you in all things how that in laboring we ought to support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, who said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So I'm blessing people. I'm giving them. I'm serving them. That is the conduct of the believer. I'm showing them an example. Say, follow me. Let's be an example. Thirdly, the godly person has a purpose and he lives by that purpose. What is your purpose? What is your purpose in this world? Can you name what the purpose is? For some, they may not say it, but it is to live to make money, to live to have power, to live to show off. So whatever they would do, They will do it. But in the epistles, it says in the last days, you show that you have a purpose. Show that you have a chief aim in life. The chief aim of believers is to be one thing and only one thing. Christ and his great mission. That Christ saved you so that you would also be an instrument of saving others and living as an example. The mission of saving people from sin, from death, from judgment, and ministering, people that they may have eternal life, everlasting life. This is the glorious privilege we have. Christ made it possible for you to be saved. And so you are also to make sure everybody is saved, praying for them, interceding for them, living your life. So every believer's purpose for living, the chief aim in life is to proclaim the glorious news of salvation, that there's deliverance from death and evil. So whether it is in preaching, teaching, praying for healing, praying for people's eyes to be open, being in the market, being in the office, being given a post, being made a pastor, being a minister, whatever God wants you to be and to become, whether he promotes you in a job, you give an opportunity to go to Germany, America, be in the plane, be all this connected, your gifts that are bringing you millions and millions, remember one thing, what. Has God given you all this opportunity for? And what are we supposed to be about as individuals in a church, in a shipfold, our place of work? You see, as Christian, as a Christian or as Christians, what should unify us is the purpose of our lives. And that purpose is set by Christ, that we will know him, love him and serve him. That is the great mission of Christ. And that should be our great mission as well. See, when he was being criticized because he was a friend to sinners, what did he say? The son of man came to seek and to save the lost. What did he say in John 10, 10? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And you all know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son That whosoever believes in him Should not perish but have eternal life So my prayer for you And my prayer for myself Is that no matter whatever my situation is Whether I am in trouble Whether it is in joy Whatever it is I must proclaim that Jesus is Lord So he's talking about the kind of thing The marks of the believer The godly believer The fourth mark Is that there is faith What is that faith? Faith in believing that Jesus is Lord. Faith in believing the things you were taught. You see, and he said, Fight the good fight of faith. But for you, O man of God, flee from the things that will corrupt you. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight for these things because people will try, the world will try to do everything possible to confuse you. But you keep to that faith. The faith that you have received, don't let it go. It's a precious thing. The the sixth one is that you must be long suffering. Long suffering is a long word, even in the in the original Greek word. It means a long, constant behavior. Long suffering never gives in. It is never broken, no matter what attacks it. You see, whether it is sickness. It is trouble, it is poverty, it is persecution. it doesn't give up. And I tell you, that doesn't come easily. It comes sometimes because others are encouraging you. The Holy Spirit is there to encourage you. So whether it is disease or accident or, a- or old age that afflicts you, the Spirit of God helps you over and over and over again to keep on. You may be discouraged at this time. You may have been disappointed by so many, even including your pastor or your bishop, or that prophetic declaration that you had that never happened. Please don't give up. Men may abuse you, they may slander you, they may injure you, but I'm saying this as the Spirit of God to help you, He helps you. There are two things you note about long suffering. That long suffering, if you are long suffering, you don't strike back. No. Common sense tells you, or the natural. Thing tells you, somebody does it, you also do it. Do it to them and let them know that you can think, you can also strike back. No. But long suffering says when you attack, you don't strike back, you don't retaliate. But you pray for those who are attacking you and ask God to help you to continue, to continue, to press on to victory. Then the Secondly, a godly person observes and follows after those who are long-suffering. A godly person, you are a disciple, and you follow only the best examples in life. Like one polycap, deny Christ, and you'll be saved. Otherwise, he will put you to the fire. he said, no, I cannot do that. I cannot do that. So you follow after that example. The sixth mark is that there is love. The greatest is love. We'll be told over and over and over again. It is not the gifts, it is not the, the, the power that you show is nothing. The greatest of the things that God wants you and I to display is love. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, or the whole of the chapter 13. There's a greater way that's the way of love. Show love. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Do we? And the last patience means endurance, steadfastness, constancy. So these are some sort of the signs of a person who is living a godly life in a godless world. You want to be known like that? That you are pressing on with faith in Jesus Christ. But the second thing he says that a godly person endures persecution. How come? Well, it is, it is, should be obvious if you live like the way the Bible is saying you should live, hmm. the world will take note of you. And you'll say, this man is different. When you are coming, you say he's coming. They may have names behind you that they call you. Oh, holy Joe, holy Arabah, they know you. They know you. So what would they do? They will try to eliminate you. Satan works best in darkness. He works in the conscience of people who are dead. We want to pull you down and he doesn't like light so if you want to follow Christ be ready they'll persecute you not because you are doing the wrong thing but even because you are doing the right thing and your your presence condemns some people but apart from those small small things that they do when i say small i know it's not easy they don't take bribes they don't tell lies they know you will betray them you tell the truth about who took the money who changed the figures then they will shun your company, you will not get that promotion because you will not compromise, you have sexual sin, you will not go to the clubs with them, you will not smoke, you will not drink, you will not do all those things that you know are godless. So, they not give you that position. Yeah. Someone said they, told they will not buy the ticket for him to sit in the first class because he will waste the ticket. Ah, really? I deserve it. Well, he was their director so they had to give to him and then they said, they're giving you another ticket again to waste. How, how can your genius be telling you those things? But they can only tell you because they know you're a godly person. You are not, you are not supposed to fight back. As soon as you fight back, say, hey, look at him. They call themselves Christians. So they jeering. But what Paul is talking about here is even the physical persecution that he went through. In Antioch, the civil leaders of the city rose against him and expelled him from their city. We see that in Acts 13.50. In Iconium, a large mob of the city set out to arrest and they stoned him. He tells that in Acts 14.4-6. They stoned him. They did whatever they did and they thought that he was dead. So, but the people of the city were divided and some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, the land of it and fled to Lystra and Debe. You see, so it includes even trying to stone him. But when he came to Lystra, a mobbing group there stoned him. Acts 14, said, But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, And the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. This is the kind of persecution that he went through to deliver the word of God. But know something. Deliverance does not mean deliverance from persecution, but deliverance through persecution. God will strengthen and carry the believer through persecution, but not out of persecution. So ask God for grace. Ask God for grace. Ask God for mercy. That when the persecution comes, we don't want it. But when it comes because of your character, because you want to be godly, the Lord will give you power to survive it. This is what Paul was declaring, that the believer will suffer persecution. We cannot escape it. If you want to be a genuine believer, believers suffer persecution because they are not like the world. You don't live that like the world. That's why the world will persecute you. Scripture says they will deliver you. They will try to persecute you. But when you suffer persecution, know that you are not the first and God is able to support you. We are called out of the world. We still are in the world. But we are supposed to be living a separated life. Separated, not like the world. If you live a pure and godly life in a sinful world, you expose the sins of people, and that in itself will stir up trouble for you. You will suffer persecution because you will try to live like Christ. How did Christ live? Everywhere he went, he was doing good. The godly believer dedicates their life to God, to worship, to service to God, service to mankind, service to humanity. The ungodly doesn't want any part of God. So, they don't even want to see you. They don't want you to be different. They want you to be like them, going where they want to go, doing what they want to do, and you are different. If you are below them, as a worker, they want to be sure you do the wrong things for them, and they will laugh at you. If you are their boss, they may not want to cooperate with you. They do all kinds of things. I said, believers are to stand strong because of the world. As I was saying earlier, if you know you are going to a bush and that bush is full of thorns and you are a farmer, what do the farmers do? They wear a boot. They take a cutlass. They take a stick. They clear the path and they go. Whether they are thorns or thistles, you know that is the way to your farm. And we are not farming. Our goal is to go to heaven. And us, somebody walks through that bush and they come to the end of this. Well, is this your farm? Say, yes. How were you able to make a farm through this marshy ground, through this bush, through this forest? He said, because I know that there's a fertile ground over there. I know there's a river there. I know the ground is fertile. That's why I made my farm there. He said, wow. It reminds me of the time we went to, to see these northern parts, the parts that were flooded. We had to walk the path to finally go to the flooded places. So why do you farm there? He said, we know every year, when the rivers overflow the banks, the land there is very fertile. So we walk through the mud and come and plant along the sides of the river, the bank, the fertile soil that is left there. And the harvest is great. Big, big vegetables, and we export them. Gives us a lot of money, so we go through it. But once in a while, we get into trouble because the floods come again. So when you come back next year, we will come back. It was amazing to hear these farmers who are flooded say we will come back. Yes, because they are farmers. So that's the second. In an ungodly world, you do not give up easily. Third, not least, the sign of the godly person who lives in this world is that they do not give up easily. There will be deceivers. There will be hypocrites. they will be imposters. The godly person guards against evil men and women. Evil men, women, refers to those who actively oppose righteousness, but they are seducers. Seducers refer to imposters and deceivers, those who live hypocritical lives. They may call themselves Christians. They may join the church for what they can get out of it. They join the church accepting to be a member, to have a good image, friends, popularity. They want business opportunities. They want clientele. But all they are doing... It's really to get men and women they can deceive. They are more evil than good. But when you are a believer, he says, watch these people. Because sometimes you get the trait, the signal from God, that these people are godless. They are pleasure-minded. They are foul-minded. They are immoral. The things they say to you are not true, but they will say it. If you ask them to prove it, you say, oh, I only know. See, these imposters, these tricksters, will arise in the church and get to know. So he said, watch them. The only way to be acceptable to God is by believing the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and loving others. And believing means to follow Christ openly, and soberly, and rightly. So, what is the conclusion? Paul is saying, in a godless world, you must live a godly life. And there are three big traits of godly people. Mark number one, they follow Godly example. He has given us how he lived himself in verse 10. Secondly, they will be enduring persecution because they know God will strengthen them. Even if it's physical, he it will help them. Thirdly, the guard against evil people in the world and sometimes in their midst trying to trap them. May the Lord help you. If you do not know this Lord as Savior and you want to run away from this world, full of his troubles and persecution, I recommend you give your life to Jesus and you join the Bible Believing Church where together we can learn how to grow in not only the knowledge of the Word of God, but to encourage each other as the days are evil. Let us pray. Lord, bless us. Help us not only to be hearers of your word, but do us as well. In Jesus' name, Amen.
0: You just heard the radio broadcast from Calvary Baptist Church, headed by Reverend Dr. Fred Dagby. We trust you've been blessed. Do join us on Sunny FM every Saturday from 8 to 8.30 p.m. for an awesome time in the Word of God. Locate us right opposite the Mr. Big's Restaurant in Adabraka near the Kwame Nkoma Interchange. As well, we're in Shiashi across the motorway from the Accra Mall. In Oibi, we're near the Cares Valley Event Center at the Goyal Filling Station. Our Amasamai campus is on the Danbridge Montessori School premises near the Amasamai Government Hospital. Again, we're in Botiano opposite the Bortiano Polyclinic otherwise follow us on Facebook at Calvary Baptist Church GH and on YouTube at Calvary Baptist Church TV or email us via Calvary Baptist Ghana at Yahoo.com you can also call us on 024 369 0485 or 0302 231 854 or reach us on WhatsApp number 0200 1-8-1-6-8-0 one eight one six eight zero. God bless you.